Hello and welcome to Shady Grove Radio. I'm Dan Loggins. Just a word of warning, this subject matter may be disturbing for certain individuals. It certainly was for me, and I just wanted to share that before we get into it. When they're on duty, that radio call comes to them. It doesn't matter what that call is, they have to respond. They don't, they don't have the opportunity to say, eh, no, I don't really like that call. Can you give me another one? That was the voice of John Vernon, Pastor John Vernon, High Point Police Chaplain, telling us that police officers don't have the option of turning down a call when they get it, that they have to respond. And prior to John's voice there, we heard an actual recording from Philadelphia in August of 2019 when six officers were shot while serving an arrest warrant. And it turned out to be an ordeal that took hours, about an eight-hour standoff. And SWAT teams had to come in and rescue the officers and some civilians who were being held at that time. Very disturbing audio. Just this past Sunday at Shady Grove, we had a special prayer meeting for first responders, for police officers, firefighters, for uh, people in the medical profession, for uh, all of the responders that uh, are required to come whenever they're called, whenever we dial 911. It was a great service, and it was attended by some first responders uh, from Kernersville and other places, and we so appreciated their presence in that service and everyone who participated and were there in person and watched online. This program tonight is about what police officers go through and how bad it can get and how they have support from police chaplains like John Vernon here in High Point. John and I were high school friends and lifelong friends and best friends and everything else you can describe, I suppose. So it was a real pleasure for us to get together and talk about this. And joining me now is Pastor John Vernon, and it's interesting, I call you Pastor Pastor and John together. That's not quite our history, because I knew you before you were a pastor, and we always called you Johnny in high school, right? Uh, that's right, that's- yeah, and then when I uh, got out of high school and wanted to become respectable uh, after spending many of my high school years with you, I decided I probably ought to change my name to John and become a little more respectable. Like the disciple John, you know, it wouldn't, exactly. be, it wouldn't be good if it was Johnny and James, the two disciples, That's would it? Correct. As a pastor, you are assistant district superintendent in the mm-hmm. East District for the Wesleyan That's Church, correct. which is a full-time mm-hmm. job. And yes. you are also a police chaplain here In High Point, what does a police chaplain do? We not only are available to counsel with officers 
and their families, but we also minister to the community. How have you seen the stress level change in the in the police department and police in general? Because you've been doing this for how many years? Did you say? Yeah, just over twenty years. So you've seen you've been there long enough to see some some shifts. What what have you seen happen? There have been some major attitude shifts over the last couple of years. A lot of those shifts have come about from some very unfortunate incidents that have happened in other parts of the country and other police agencies where, you know, in, in, in some of those cases, police officers did not handle the situation correctly. Unfortunately, in those cases, what has happened also is the, the, the wrong of those uh, incidents have simply been transferred to every law enforcement officer in the nation. And, and that's a very unfortunate thing to, to have happened. Same thing with, with pastors. You know, there have been a lot of incidents um, in the Catholic Church and others where, where priests and others have, you know, have just done some, some very bad things. But we don't automatically think that every pastor in the nation is bad because of that. Uh, but in the world of law enforcement, it seems that that attitude has uh, become pervasive across our nation. And so that has made the job of police officers far more difficult, uh, particularly in the past couple of years. Um, they have a lot of people uh, videotaping what they do, a lot of people complaining about what they're doing, even though what they're doing is very legal. It's very much what they're supposed to do. Yet uh, people may take issue with it and begin arguing with them in the midst of them trying to um, enforce the law. And so it's just a, a very, very different environment that we have right now that has made it difficult on, on all police officers, and regardless so, of their skin color, regardless of, of their political affiliation. It, it's, it's tough to be a law enforcement officer right now. And so your ministry extends to them them personally too. I know in High Point recently Absolutely. we had three police officers who were shot in one incident. Tell me about yeah. how what what was your involvement there? Yeah, we the that that particular incident uh, began with a, a gentleman who was barricaded inside a house was shooting. It started as a. Uh, a call that came in of shots being fired in the neighborhood, and when officers found out, uh, determined where the shots were coming from, uh, the gentleman went inside the house, closed the door, and eventually started firing his weapon out of the house. So uh, they surrounded the house, called in the tactical team with the High Point Police Department, and some, some jurisdictions call that the SWAT team. Uh, in high point, we call it the tactical team. When they're, when the tactical team is activated, uh, chaplains are automatically activated. At least two chaplains are activated. And so we had two chaplains on the scene uh, when that began at about 1130 uh, that night, and they stayed on the scene until uh, about 10 or so the following morning. Um, and then we, at, at about 330, we ended up with three of our officers uh, who were shot uh, by the man that was barricaded inside the house, and so they were all three rushed to the to the emergency room. That's where I went. Uh, so I was at the emergency room with the, the officers, 
and many other officers who came to the emergency room just to make sure they were okay, to do what needed to be done there. And then, of course, their family members were called, and their family members came to the hospital. And it was a, it was a very traumatic thing uh, to, to hear. Anytime a police officer's family hears uh, that, that their officer has been shot, it's, a, it's an immensely traumatic thing. And so that was my role there. And then we had two other chaplains that ended up going back to the going to the police department and staying there for a good portion of the day just to interact with officers who were coming back to the police uh, department having uh, worked through this event. So all five of our chaplains on our team were engaged in in that one call. You went to the hospital. Did they let you in? Yes, as a police chaplain, I was allowed into the emergency room because it was an emergency, and I was there for for that reason. Um, and so I was able to, uh, you know, interact with the three officers who ha- had been shot. I was able to interact with the other officers who were there, uh, who were, you know, concerned, obviously concerned about their fellow officers. And then when the the spouses, the family members of the officers that had been shot, when they showed up, uh, I was able to interact with them as well. Did you call them on the phone or did you go to their house? Uh, No, in this case, uh, fortunately, um, all three of the officers were uh, able to speak. They were alert. And so they were able to actually, and they they each wanted to, uh, they were able to pick up the phone, their own cell phones, and, and call their family members uh, themselves. Were you there when they did that? I mean, did they say, yes. uh, honey, I've been shot? Well, yeah, that's the, you know, they they know that their family members dread that call. Either, either whether they make the call or whether someone from the police department makes the call. They know that their family members, that's the one call they're dreading. It's a tough call regardless. But they want to make it because they want to make sure, particularly in a case like that where they, they're alert, uh, you know, they know they're going to be okay uh, with time. They want to be the ones to make that call just so they can help assure their family members that, look, you know, it's going to be okay. It's it's not good right now, but it's going to be okay. What time of day was that? I think they were shot probably around 3.30 in the morning. And so by the time they made it to the ER and made those calls, it would have been probably 3.45 to 4 a.m. So somebody's at home. And mm-hmm. their their husband or uh, you know father right. or whatever is is at work and their f- their cell phone rings yes. with his all three all three of those officers were were males right that's correct yeah so so the phone rings and they they probably never call home at four o'clock in the morning when they're on a shift yeah that's correct I, you know the officers that work during the day. Uh, there's no doubt they, from time to time, probably uh, on a break or at a meal, no doubt they'll call and you know check in with their family. But the ones who work third shift, uh, I, I would expect that their family does not expect a call from them. And so this so, call shows up on their phone. That mm-hmm. must have been terrifying for those. I'm fam- sure. I, I'm, I'm sure it was because they you know they know that their loved one who is a police officer knows that they're normally sleeping that time of day. So they know they're not going to be calling them unless it's really important. And so the family showed up. Did they, did, were they allowed in the hospital? Yes. 
Yes, they were allowed. One person, one person uh, from each family was allowed in the hospital. So then you're the chaplain on the scene there. So you're not mm-hmm. only ministering to the uninjured police officers there, the injured police officers, and now the families come into the mix. Correct. What's That's that correct. like? Um, well, you know, everybody's, everybody has been impacted by it, but the impact on them is different. Uh, based on where, you know, which which part of that situation they're playing, whether they are the injured officer or whether they are the family member or whether they're the, the you know, the fellow officers. Uh, if they're injured, a lot of what they're thinking about is what's my future going to be like? And, you know, am I going to be able to keep doing my job or is this is this going to end my job that I love? Or they may be thinking, okay, this is it. I'm, I just can't do this anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put my life on the line any, any longer. From the, from the family member's perspective, they already, families already, most of them live in a, in a heightened state of stress over that role, knowing that law enforcement officers can lose their life at their job. I mean, obviously all of us can, all of us can lose our life while we're at work for various reasons, but police officers, you know, as everyone understands, that's, that, probability that risk level is certainly much higher and so those family members that's in the back of their mind all the time anyway and so when that when something like that happens it's like our worst fears are you know are being realized and so now they're trying to figure out how do I process this how do I do I try to convince my loved one that they just need to quit this job? Uh, you know, whatever. How, how are we going to tell our children? How are we going to keep our children from being upset if they're children? And then the, the officers who were, were not shot, were not injured, they're, they're processing, okay, what do we have to do to help these officers? How do we best help this fellow officer and their spouse? And what do we do? Obviously, there are a lot of administrative things that go along with that. So what so. happened next? Okay, the officers are at the hospital. It mm-hmm. looks like they're injured. They're going to survive. Right. The families have been notified. They've been treated. Maybe they went home. Maybe mm-hmm. they stayed a little bit longer. What happened in the police department next that you were involved in? Well, in this case, obviously, when when someone in the in the agency gets shot, that is a that's a traumatic incident, and everybody's impacted by it to some degree or the other. And so we have all been trained. Our chaplain team has been trained in critical incident stress management. One of the tools that is used in a case like that is something called a critical incident stress debriefing. It's a well-researched and well-designed process of walking a group of people through the process of being able to talk out and talk about what they've been through to, to try to help aid in the healing process. Because what we do as human beings, if we have stress, if we have a stressful incident that we go go through and we just keep that inside of us, those thoughts just keep bouncing around inside us. Our emotions, everything is held inside and it just gets bigger and bigger and worse. I can't imagine because I'm getting stressed just having this conversation with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so our, our role there is to try to help them unpack that, to try to get them to talk about what they experienced so that hopefully this will help reduce some of the the stuff that they're holding on the inside. Because if they do that long enough, it can impact their resiliency as a as a law enforcement officer. If if they have enough of those incidents to happen, 
in their career, and they hold them all inside at some point, it's likely to impact the way they do their job and the way they conduct themselves as a human being. It may cause them to become so stressed that they, you know, they turn to drugs or alcohol or, or whatever the case may be. Stress can do a lot of crazy things to us. And so the, the goal of that is just to try to help them properly deal with the stress that came from that incident so that they can move on and, you know, be more healthy coming out of that, coming out of that time. This has got to take a toll on you, too. Am I right? Well, I mean, it does. You know, we're, we're chaplains, and, and I believe God has given each one of us a, a unique gift to be able to do this. But we're also human beings, so we're, we're impacted like other people are impacted as well. And so when we, we recognize the fact as chaplains that there are times when we just need to step back and take a break, all of us, fortunately, we, we have spouses who are good with what we're doing as far as chaplains. They bless what we're doing, but they also know that there are times we just need to talk to them about what we're experiencing. They, they, have, they have become our counselors. In some cases, uh, our wives have, have been awakened. Uh, you know, when we've come back home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, there have been times when we have had to talk for a few minutes with our spouse just to help us process what we've been through. One of the incidents that happened when my son, who's now in his later 30s, when he was about 21, I responded to a call where a young man his age was killed in an auto accident. But it just reminded me of my son when I got there and saw the the body of the young man lying in the street. It just impacted me in a way like no other call had impacted me. And when I went home, he was still living at home at that time. I had to just go downstairs in the basement where his room was and stand there for a few minutes by his bed to kind of process and and allow my emotions to to calm down a little bit. And and we're all there for each other. As chaplains, we we know that if any of us need to talk at any time, uh, we do that. And there are times when I've had to relieve a chaplain from their on-call rotation just because they've had so many traumatic incidents in one rotation that it, they just need they need some space. This is amazing. You don't know what's going to happen in a, in a coming day or a coming week. Yeah. Uh, it could be one thing right after another, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You and I, if one of your customers has a problem, they're going to call you and talk to you about it, and you've got time to get on your computer and figure out what the problem is. When you figure it out, you call them back and let them know. And, you, you know, it may be a little bit stressful for you, but you can figure out what's going on. For a police officer, when they're on duty, that radio call comes to them. It doesn't matter what that call is. They have to respond. They don't, they don't have the opportunity to say, eh, no, I don't really like that call. Can you give me another one? Or just let me relax for a little bit and give that call to somebody else. I'll take the next one. No, when they, when they receive that call from dispatch, they have to respond regardless of what the call is. And when they respond, they have to be able to handle it. They, so they don't, you know, they don't have much time. They've got to get there quickly. They've got to deal with whatever the call is. So the, the level of stress that they live under on a daily basis, uh, not to mention the fact that there are people who want to hurt them. Uh, there are people that do not want them to enforce the law and will go as far as they need to go to keep them from doing that. They live in a state of hypervigilance. 
when they're when they're on duty. So yes, their whole day on duty is a stressful time. This sounds like a, a story about the Wild West or something. I mean, it sounds like there's an element of chaos in that can come about in all of this and emotions. And so my next question is, where is God in all of this? That's, I think, the, the beauty of uh, our role as chaplains. We, we're here because we understand the reality of all that. And I think that's one of the reasons we're able to maintain a sense of stability in the midst of, as you said, the, the chaos at, at times. You know, we live in a sinful world. I don't think that's going to be a surprise to the folks who listen to your podcast. We live in a sinful world, and because of that, there are people who want to do carry out evil deeds and do evil things. Plus, there are just things, because it's a sinful world, there are accidents that happen. There are things that happen that people were not expecting or not planning to happen. And so there, there are people in our society who have sworn an oath to help take care of those situations. Those are first responders, we call them, because when those situations happen, they are called to respond. We understand as chaplains that regardless of the chaos, God is still God. He's still the one who created the world that we live in. He's the one that created us. He's the one that wants to give us peace. Even in the midst of all this trauma and chaos, we have to deal with those things as human beings. We have to go through that. However, we believe God is the answer for all of us as human beings to have the greatest sense of peace we're ever going to have that's where we see God in all that. Because of the sin that's in the world, God is not going to stop everything that goes wrong in this world. He's not going to stop that. Those things will continue to happen. However, he's there to walk us through the journey when those things happen. That's a big reason we can navigate it as chaplains. That's one of the things that we have to bring to the table when people are really, really struggling and they, they're willing and open to explore their spiritual life. We're there to help them on that journey. If you could speak and just be a voice for the police officers to the community right now, what would you say? If I could be a voice for the police officers to the community, I think what I would say is, first of all, police officers are human beings just like them. They have a heart to help people, which is why they signed up to do what they do. They're not doing it for the money, I can assure you that, because they don't get paid anywhere near what they should get paid to to get up every day and put on body armor, knowing that the people they are trying to stop from hurting the other members of the community might turn on them and, and hurt them while they're trying to, to protect their community. So I would say understand that they're doing a very tough job, and the job they're doing is for all the rest of us as citizens. They're, they're the ones that are trying to keep us safe. When we're at home, we're sleeping, we, you know, we're going through our day, they're out there trying to keep the environment safe for us and get the people off the street who don't need to be on the street because they're the ones perpetrating the evil. So I would say to the community, please understand what they do and show them some love, show them some support. The most important thing, pray for them on a regular basis. They need the blessing of God. They need the protection of God. It's a tough job. And of course, the, you know, the folks in Kerners will understand that because they've just recently dealt with that with one of their very own officers.
And we have been praying for police officers and all of our first responders. As I mentioned earlier, our special prayer meeting at Shady Grove last Sunday. And I'm sure we'll have more in the future. In fact, we need to pray for everyone all the way around. The chaplains, the police officers, the first responders, the firemen, EMS, uh, dispatchers, and, and the victims of crime and the perpetrators of crime. Just a lot of prayer needed. Wouldn't you agree with that? Thank you for joining us on Shady Grove Radio, episode number 44. Our executive producer, Pastor Todd Reynolds, technical producers, Tanisha Patrick and Chris Garman, and I'm Dan Loggins, thanking you for listening and join us again next week. joining us today on Shady Grove Radio. I'm Dan Loggins, and if you have any questions about anything you heard on Shady Grove Radio today, send me an email, dan at shadygroveradio.com, dan at shadygroveradio.com.